0: I'm at the airport, and uh, you know, I went through security like normal. I didn't go through TSA pre-check, as we discussed in a previous episode. And let me tell you, fuck that shit. The next time, yeah, you call me Dana if you want to, but I'm I'm going through TSA pre-check. Uh, when I checked it, or when I got through security, when she like looked at my, you know, boarding pass and everything and passport, she said. Mm-hmm you know this isn't TSA pre-check and I said I know it's not and neither is my wife so we went and had dinner had some sushi at Wicker Park Sushi at gate C1 a couple beers she had a couple of vodka diets and then we come to our gate we meet the family but there's a whole other level of screening you have to go through here not with all this shit but like they check your pa- your boarding pass for Tel Aviv, just for Tel Aviv. They check your boarding pass and they do the they wipe your your uh, baggage down and then they wand you. And Katie's asking as we're standing in line because if the screening again, because we're going through the screening again, she says, "Why do we have to do this?" I said, "Because it's Israel." She said, "I don't understand." I go, "What's not to understand?" Like there's an I, I, added layer of security because it's Israel so she's like I don't tell me more so we get to the person and and I ask you know why is there an extra layer of security and she says well it's with all Tel Aviv flights and I said because Israel and she said yes (laughs) Katie was still confused but like what's that it's fucking Israel because it's a place where people bring bombs and they go (laughs) specifically to hurt other people So you go in, and then we leave because there's no concessions and no bathrooms in this fucking place that you're screened in to be at. Because it's just a stupid little gate. It's just weird. weird. So now we have to, so we've left, and then we'll come back and go through the screening again. Because, you know, everybody wants to blow up Israel.
1: I'm Don Hall. And I'm David Himmel. And this is the Literate Ape Cast. The Literate Ape Cast uses bad words. If we don't like bad words, maybe you listen to it. <laughs> Himmels in Israel. We, last week, Brandon, Bruce, and I did a, a podcast together. We did the Apecast together. And this week, we're going to hear missives from David as he's experiencing Israel in real time. He sent, uh, sent over some casual stories and some thoughts as he was there and so this this is one of those weird ape casts where I'm going to talk and he's going to talk we'll check in with him and see how he's doing and I'm sure on the next ape cast we'll uh we'll actually kind of process it in uh, in real time one of the things that I'm I want to talk about uh, this morning is I just I just had an event in Wichita, Kansas, and it was uh, it was fine. It was not the kind of event I would have done. Um, it was dictated to me, this is how you do it. This is, you know, I'm, the, I'm the events director in a place that doesn't really want an events director because they all kind of think they're experts in events. But one of the things that was interesting is that we have a, a Hispanic radio station in the Program director is, you know, I mean, he's, he's just kind of pigheaded. He kind of wants to do things the way he wants to do them. And he kind of hides behind, I think, I think it's a double-edged sword. He hides behind his culture and his language. And most of the people in the office, when he is either really late or really screws something up or casually doesn't follow the rules, they, they, they kind of shrug it off. And they say, well, it's a cultural thing. You know, that's a cultural thing. And I think that is some bullshit. It's it's sort of a casual form of, of bias and racism to say that someone who happens to be Hispanic um, and perhaps, I mean, he's, he's, he speaks English perfectly well, but somehow that because he is Mexican um, that there is an expectation that he is going to be late. And that he is going to disregard other people's time, and that he's going to kind of just go his own way. I think there's a game at play that is kind of ugly, and I don't. Uh, I, and, and one of the, the arguments that I made not too long ago is that I, you know, I produced the Mariachi Fest a couple of years ago in Chicago, and we had over thirty groups that performed and 45,000 people that came out to see it. And, and it, it, amazingly uh, with the very, very Hispanic culture of that entire event, gosh, you know, everybody showed up on time. Everybody did their job. Uh, everything ended on time. It was p- completely professional. And so my experience is that the excuse that it's a cultural thing is some, some great a bullshit. I think we all have culture, and I think culture is an important part of who we are, but I also think to use that as an excuse for just basic ego, just basic uh, individualistic, fuck you, I'm going to do what I want to do, is, 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 a, is, a, is a mistake. I think uh, culture is a costume. It is a part of our upbringing. It's the kind of clothing we wear from the day we're born. And if you happen to be wearing that culture and, and, and that is your sum total of your identity, I think you're missing out on at least acknowledging the universal commonality of humanity, that everybody is a little bit lazy and everybody is a little bit hardworking, but everybody is ultimately self-serving and you have to overcome some of that self-serving nature just to kind of get along, to work as a group. If you're just a solo ride, that's what you're going to do you're 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 just going to kind of do things the way you do it now i have to say you know i'm living in wichita now i'm i'm here for my family i've got a job that is fine but not like my dream job it's just fun you know it's it's not hard um i like the people i work with for the most part um and but i'm pretty much a solo ride i don't really have much of a social life i that is by intent it's not like oh poor me (laughs) I don't have a social life. No, I just, I choose not to go and hang out and and look for friends and and certainly not date. Um, But that has, it it opens up some things, all right? So is, is my intensity toward doing things my way, is that in fact my excuse is a cultural thing? You know, I don't know. I don't think so. But it has been an interesting journey here in Wichita and uh, I will continue to explore those things. Um, I hope everything goes well. And like I said, I'm not too worried about it. It's not hard. I'm not living badly, um, but uh, I do find sort of the bizarre. I, I, I'm just guess. I guess maybe I'm just not used to it. The bizarre casual racism um, here in Wichita is. Not something that I'm used to encountering, and I'm not quite sure on a day-to-day basis how to address those things. Except for, <laughs> and it's derisive, and I don't think it's probably appropriate, is whenever I hear somebody say, "Oh, you know, well, it's just it's it's a it's a Latino thing or it's Spanish, you know, it's it's a language thing." for me to my knee jerk reaction almost every time is, Oh, that's bullshit. That's just an excuse, which catches them off guard. It's not something they're, they're, they're thinking about, you know, and and I think that's probably one of the things to think about when you think about bias, of course you don't think about it. Um, it's just sort of how things are. And I think, uh, I'm just not used to this level of casual disregard for culture and for people in based on cultural memes I'll give you another example. I went to uh, there was a first Friday and they have downtown in Wichita sort of like uh, small art galleries and things and they open them all up for everybody. And everybody's got like shitty hors d'oeuvres and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and when I say shitty hors d'oeuvres, I'm used to like hey, art opening. You're going to have something a little frou-frou pretty much squeeze it cheese on Ritz crackers is not frou-frou, but that's frou-frou for Wichita and I went into one of the larger sort of city run art galleries, um, cause I'm just walking around by myself, just checking out all the things and seeing what was going on. Then I went into the art gallery and on the first floor, which was a pretty expansive size, there was a, a gallery showing of these paintings of this guy and they were all of fish. I mean, it was a lot of fucking oil paintings of fish. And I mean, it was a lot. There were Couple hundred, maybe, maybe a hundred, I don't know, a couple hundred, but a hundred, like just pictures of different fish. And they were fine. I mean, they, it's, not, it's not like they were bad paintings of fish. I'm not sure you can do a bad painting of a fish, but they were not great paintings, but they were fine. And I noticed, uh, you know, there were just mostly white people were in, were in there looking at the fish and talking to the artists and stuff. And the, but I also noticed this stream, this, sh- this trickle of black people which you don't see a lot of in which It's trickling in and in going around the corner and up the stairs. And I thought, well, where are they going? Uh, let's see, let's see what's up. I'm exploring. Let's go up there. So I go up to the second floor and in this small gallery, sort of in the back, which is strangely proficient or prophetic. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, it's a room full of black people and, uh, uh an artist who had done photography, of masks you know and they were and you know and it wasn't it's not like it was brilliant but it was much more interesting than the fish and i went in and i was kind of looking at the art and again i i caused no i wouldn't call it stuff say i caused a stir but there were definitely the the side eyes where i'm the only white person up there there's about 30 black people they're all kind of looking at me like what's the white guy doing here looking at the art and at one point the artist comes over. And he introduces himself and I and I start, we start talking about one of the pieces that he's done. And I'm talking about, you know, like some of the layers that I see and some of the things that I really liked about it and how interesting it was. And he was really you know, like, he was like, oh, wow. Okay, so you're actually here to see the art. I don't know why you're in this room, but you obviously are looking at the art. And so let's talk about the art. So we're talking about the art and in a few minutes of us talking, which was a good conversation, but two great big black guys that were his friends, I assume, Came over and one one of them looks at me and he says, uh, "So what are you doing up here?" And and I I was just kind of caught off guard because again that's not my reality in thirty years in Chicago, and and he says, "What are you doing in here?" And I said, "Well, I said I'm just here to look at the artwork." I said the the fish the fish downstairs were not really, you know, all that awe inspiring, and the other one says so you're comfortable right here? And I looked around and I smiled and it was just first thing that came. And I said, dude, I'm a white guy in Wichita, Kansas. I'm comfortable everywhere. And we all started laughing and then it just kind of broke the ice and we all laughed about it. And then I hung out there with these, with these guys and a couple ladies and we talked about art and we talked about Wichita. And we talked about their experience being black in Kansas, which was just Fascinating. And we found that we had a real common interest or at least a common experience, not that I was black, but that I'm here and this is not the most, uh, I don't belong here. I, I, it's just not my mentality. I'm more of a city person. This is a bit of a one horse town. It's smaller. And so, and, and they're talking about how they've been making their way in Wichita and how w- weird Wichita is. And, you know, and so it was just a really interesting conversation. But it was very interesting in that we really found an instant universal commonality in our experience, d- despite the fact that we were of, of different skin colors. Just something to think about. Let's get back to uh, David. David is, uh, like I said, in Israel, and I want to hear what he has to say.
0: I'm here in Haifa, which is in Israel. What can I tell you about the town? It's pretty. It's hillside, mountainside, so it's very hilly and very beautiful. Everything is picturesque. I'm looking out at the Mediterranean Sea. I've been here for two days. Uh, Before that, we were in Tel Aviv and Jaffa or Yaffa, because there is no J in Hebrew, Um, also pretty city, Um, we spent a lot of time on a bus, you know, doing the tour group thing, which has been fine. I will tell you this, the Sea of Galilee is an American tourist trap, you know the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did stuff, the whole fish and bread, fish and loaves, loaves and fish, whatever that story is. Where he, there were like five loaves of bread and three fish, and he made enough to feed ten thousand people or something, which you know, of course, really happened. Um, but yeah, there is a a sense of religion as um, tourist trap, which I expected, you know, to some degree. But seeing it in real time and experiencing it is it's odd. Um, you know, it doesn't offend me, of course. What does, but. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I we went to the River Jordan today, um, which is the same river that Jesus was baptized in, and there were all these people getting baptized. But you know, it's cool to see people do this stuff and be a part among this history. I mean, I saw a the the, the ruins of a of a synagogue that was from the time of Jesus, and saw a boat that they discovered maybe a couple decades ago, um, twenty thirty years ago, that was from the time of Jesus. That's two thousand years old, which is you know, that's fucking wild, you know, to be among things that are that old. I mean, I've got underpants that are 20-something years old, but that's not 2,000 years old. Still impressive. Um, yeah, we're just, we're just going along. It's a, it's a very pretty place. Um, we're headed to Jerusalem tomorrow. So, we'll see what that does. I feel like that'll be the more religious part of it for me. Because so far, it's been a lot of Christianity, which is fine. I don't know if my dad expected that. So, it's interesting. I need to ask him, like, did he review the, the tour when Patty planned it? I don't know. Um, but, yeah. It's, um, it's a place. It doesn't feel... It it feels very Jewish because, you know, there's Hebrew (laughs) writing everywhere because it's the national language. You know, but for me, Hebrew language, whenever I see it, it's a temple. So there's the first couple days, like, walking into places that Hebrew lettering on it was triggering is is a strong word, but there is a, just an oddness to it. You know, to see, like, my religion play out in such a or what I, you know, the visuals of, of my religion from growing up, like Hebrew lettering on buildings, um, translate and just turn into uh, um, just buildings, you know? It's just, it's nothing. It has no religious connection. But yet everything does, because how can it not? It's Israel. It's what the entire Jewish religion is based upon. So, yeah. So far, so good. I'm having fun. It's relaxing. I'm getting a lot of naps on the bus because the bus will put me to sleep. It's a good thing I'm not driving, huh? <laughs> so I'm gonna head out into Haifa tonight. Um, everybody's kind of tired, so I'm gonna bum around on my own a bit. I think, unless somebody wants to catch up with me and see what uh, see what I can find.
1: David talks about the. Uh Sort of, he's having he's having that moment where he's looking at these really old places and starting to find his. Or at least I don't know, find his place in history, but just sort of in awe of history. And I think we've we've kind of gotten to a place, and maybe it's because we're so distracted by so much that's in our face. There's so much digital media. There's so many things to watch on TV. There's so much thing, so many uh, TikToks. All this stuff, it it just gets in our face. There's so much stuff. There's so much information that I think we've forgotten to be in awe of a certain amount of history. And granted, a lot of that is a tourist trap. A lot of it is like, Hey, and I recall when, uh, my third wife, my third ex-wife, uh, and I went to London for our first, first, anniversary and she instantly did not care for London. Um, and London feels like what New York will feel like when it's no longer the center of the world. Um, and it's like, like it, London used to be the center of the world and the city is desperate to remind you that they used to be the center of the world. And so it's got that kind of thing going on. But one of the things that was really frustrating is that I actually like those tourist traps. I like going to those history and I don't care. You know, I want to, I want to pay money to see the tower of London. I don't mind that. I want to take a tour cause I'm, I want to kind of see that history. And yeah, it's a little bit of a cash grab. It's a little bit of a tourist trap, but it's still fun. It's still interesting. It's still kind of crazy to kind of imagine that while our lives are generally about, eighty to a hundred years old maybe you know in my case might be in the 60s whatever that 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 there are there were people just like me two thousand three thousand years ago that walked around and did shit and they had their issues and you know they they got up in the morning and they went oh fuck really today uh whatever you know the, it, it, none of this is brand new that nothing that I've experienced is new. And, uh, what was frustrating was that, uh, my third wife did not, she, she didn't care very much about history. She didn't care so much. She wanted to walk around the parks. And the reason she wanted to walk around the parks had very little to do with the history involved, um, or even her disregard for history is that she didn't want to pay to see things. She did not want to go to, uh, in, in, in Buckingham palace. She, she she didn't want to do a tour of Buckingham palace because it costs money and just this petulant bullshit where I, I mean, I kind of acquiesced and spent, you know, four or five days in London, not really seeing anything of of, that. I was interested. Yes, we did go to Abbey road because I insisted she had no interest in going to Abbey road, but I I, I was like, no fucking, I love the Beatles and I'm, I'm going to Abbey road and I'm going to walk that I'm going to walk that uh, crosswalk. You know, that's, you know, that's what I'm going to do. And one day at one point, uh, I finally had, had enough. And I said, I'm going to the British museum because it's the fucking, yes, it is the, it is the home of great cultural theft yet. It's the fucking British museum. I want to see the Rosetta stone. I want to, you know, I want to, this is, I want to go. She wasn't going to go. I said, well, the fuck off. You do what you got to do. I'm going, I'll see you in, you know, at the end of the day. And sure enough. I'm that guy that goes into a museum and I read everything, every fucking thing and without anybody there kind of to kind of pout and go, are you done yet? Are you finished? I want to go. Um, I I spent nine and a half hours in the British Museum and I read everything I could get my brain on and it was fascinating and I loved it. And I, you know, and yeah, it costs, I think I don't even know how much it costs. I don't care. That's things. I don't care how much it costs because I got that experience to see those things and read that stuff. It was really exciting. And I came back and met her at the hotel and asked her what she did and what she did was she sat around and drank wine for a whole goddamn day and I was like wow well you you really got your money's worth because I guarantee you the amount of money she paid for the wine probably the same I paid for the British Museum I'm guessing I got the better deal and I think that's one of the things about going places where there has where, where there is a preservation of thousands of years of human history that if you don't respect it. If you don't at least have a curiosity about it, you, you've really missed a boat. You've really missed out on how that's going. So I recommend, uh, take some time in museums, look at the history of things, um, figure out the history of things and kind of, uh, swim in that a little bit. I also remember that same trip. We ended up going to Scotland, uh, because she like said, she really did not like London. And I said, well, I kind of wanted to go to Scotland instead of London in the first place, but she kind of poo-pooed the idea because I love Scotland. And I said, you know, at the time I said, well, we can go to Scotland, stay in Scotland and then do a day trip to London. And that, that might be more fun. No, 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 we're going to London. And then she immediately hated London. So we ended up taking a day trip to Scotland. And what was fascinating is that they have the Holyrood castle, which is one of the oldest castles in that area, in that, you know, that series of islands, it's really old, thousands of years old. And so I wanted to go. I'd been there. I'd seen it. And and it's it's kind of adorable in that it is really this ancient castle. And whoever, you know, whatever the society or or organization that decided, "Hey, we're going to make this a tourist experience where you can pay money and then do a, a self-guided tour of this ancient castle." Well, we we don't really want to spend a whole lot of money on the decorations and on the stuff. So it's like it's literally like mannequins that they found you know, in a, in a dress shop dressed up as prisoners in, uh, one of the prison cells. I mean, it is, it is the bargain basement version of, uh, an amazing historical tour. But I thought that was, I think it's fun, but I also liked the, the stones, the, 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 the walkways, all the stuff is ancient and, and people, you know, there was, there was massive history that went on in these walls. Well, we went into a shop and she found some, we bought my dad some, uh, some whiskey. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was, obviously it was probably scotch. But during, during the tour, she just sat and drank that bottle of whiskey. And by the time we were done, she was plowed. I was I won't say I was embarrassed. I was just sort of like, well, she, she kind of missed out. You know, like we're in the room where Mary, Queen of Scots, was like imprisoned. And she's just like, <laughs> and I was like, all right, you know, and, and I think there's something weird about this casual disregard for history that I think uh, I won't embrace. And I, and I have to admit, I kind of judge. So there's that. More David.
0: Okay. Reporting from Jerusalem. There is a, I don't, I don't think it's confusing, but a expected yet still surprising sense of uh, Jewish connection that I'm experiencing. Um, it's not really religious, you know, in the, in the deity way of things. It's cultural, which is, you know, the big hole thing with Judaism. Is it a religion? Is it a culture? You know, it's both. Um, Yeah. It's strange. We'll see what happens. We'll be at the Western Wall tomorrow, which will be our last full day in country. And we'll see what happens there. We'll do a little praying. Um, You know, in moments of crisis, religion is a good thing comfort, familiarity, or good things. And as we've long established, I've been running through a midlife crisis for some time now. <laughs> so this is just, you know. But, you know, I mean, being in Israel is a, is a place. It's, it's very layered. It's very complicated for me. But I will tell you this. Um, it is a beautiful place. I mean, what's not to love? It's the desert which I love. It's mountains which I love. It's, there's large bodies of water, which I love. Um, It's very pretty. And it is really cool to be kind of the cradle of civilization. I mean, I've not been to Rome or Greece yet. um, But yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. Um, Reporting back on the, the sounds, the guttural sounds, we did not hear those again but they did send somebody up and we did hear them speaking to this person about his guttural sounds, which I learned the best way to describe them is the sound of an espresso machine because there's an espresso machine in our room. And that's what he was sounding like was a fucking espresso machine. <laughs> so if that's how you talk to God, great. That's, that's your thing. I'm just trying to make coffee here. Hey. what else can I tell you? Um, the Dead Sea. We were at the Dead Sea yesterday. You know, you can float in it because it's so salty and so full of minerals. That doesn't even begin to describe what it actually is. It's it's hard to describe what being in the Dead Sea is like. I mean, yeah, you can float. Like, you cannot... You, you just float. It's You're just weightless. Um, the best way to describe it, really, is what Katie said, which was, this is the Earth rejecting us. <laughs> I mean, it's a place that doesn't want any vegetation, no animal life, nothing. Nothing lives here. Nothing. And you can't even, like, go underwater. I mean, you can, but you can't stay underwater. You can't... You also can't go underwater because you can't, like, put your head underwater because if this shit gets in your mouth and you swallow it, you will be sick. I got a little splash in my eye, and it burned like you would not believe. And I I started tearing up. I I mean, it's... I I don't think you've ever... I've never... I mean, I've gotten things in my eye before. Eyelashes and sand and dirt and whatever else. And it hurts. But like this burned something fierce. And then you just got to take your blind ass... Because the other eye starts to tear up. And it's just... It's so hard. So you walk up to the floating dock and you find the spigot with the clean water and you rinse your face off and you get back in. It's also extremely hot. Like, the water was warm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's kind of like you're flying. It's the closest you can get to feeling like you're flying like Superman or Magneto. You know, just like floating there. Because like, when you're in the water, like a pool or a lake, you know, any other lake, you're treading water to stay above, I mean, you're not sinking down, but, you know, you've got to do a little effort. Like, I could just stand there and basically just stand and just be floating in this water without any effort whatsoever. It's crazy. What else? What else can I tell you? Oh, here's a fun story at the Dead Sea. So we're crossing over to get out of this... um, like I stepped over a, a float line, you know, the divides where they want you to swim, where they don't want you to swim. So I was getting out and just kind of avoiding things. And these two older women were getting in and they said, well, he just stepped right over. And I said, here, let me help you. And like, are you sure? Yeah, of course. So I straddled the line and I took their hands and helped them over. And this one woman leading the conversation says, oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Are you American? It sounds like you're American. And I said, I am American with all the pride of an American. I started singing Lee Greenwood. I ripped off my shirt, showed her my eagle, clutching the the American flag and those arrows. Whatever. No. Um, I said I am American. She said, "Oh, well, wh- where in America are you from?" And I said, "From Chicago." She said, "Oh my gosh, I'm from Wichita." And I said, "Wichita." I know someone who lives in Wichita. She said, "Oh my gosh. Well, I'm just 45 minutes outside of it." And whatever. Her other friend was from California. What part of California from? Blah 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 blah. She said, I, I haven't been to Chicago in so long. And I said, well, it's still there. You should come on by. And she said, oh, I think I might have to do that. Blah, 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 blah. I just wish you all would do something about the crime. Oh, God damn it, lady. Now you just ruin things. So my response to her was, well, we're working on it. We're just giving all the criminals guns and letting them shoot each other to death. And hopefully they'll just cancel each other out. Kind of like dividing fractions. And she laughed and thought that was funny. Fucking people and their thoughts of Chicago. Like, yeah. I should have said, why well, wish you would do something about your racism in Wichita? But I didn't. Um, yeah. So right now, I'm standing outside of the Jerusalem Holocaust Museum Yad Vashem because um, I don't want to go into it we've got like an hour and a half to spend there and you know I've I've been to the Holocaust Museum in Skokie I've been to the Holocaust Museum in DC they had a Holocaust Museum like a traveling museum that was actually really really impressive come to my temple when I was a kid um, you know I've was learning about the Holocaust, seeing pictures of all the horror from a really young age, like pretty early on. They, I don't say, shove the shit down your throat, but like Jewish kids, at least you know, in the temple I grew up in, where my Sunday school was, it was really early on being exposed to the the horrors of the Holocaust. And and I've been to the I've been to Dachau. I've seen the actual camps, or a camp. And the last time I was in a Holocaust museum was in D.C., and it's like three floors of piles of shoes and the death and all that stuff. and it, After one floor, I was like, I'm good, I get it, I've seen it all, I, I'm, I, don't, I don't need to do it. And our tour guide even said like, you know, it's a lot. And if you don't wanna do it, or you've seen enough after just a few rooms, feel free to walk out, leave, don't be ashamed. So I'm not going in. Um, we walked through the children's memorial garden, which, you know, is disturbing. You know, of course, fucking everything about the Holocaust is disturbing, right? But things change when you're a parent. Like, I, I hate that that trope, but it's true. And this museum, this this garden, this particular memorial was put up by I'm forgetting who the parents were, but it was in honor of or memory of their their son Ezekiel, who was killed in Auschwitz in '44. And you walk in, and there's like a stone carving of a photo. You know, I'm assuming from a photograph of of the young boy. He was probably six years old, five years old. Probably he looked like, at least in this stone carving, was Harry's age. And the Holocaust is horrible. Death of millions is horrible. And you think about your friends dying and your parents dying and your cousins dying and your family dying, but just, it's different. It's just a different feeling when you think about what a parent had to go through. To lose their kid and then to live, you know, to keep like living I often think about, you know, how Katie's parents ever continued with after their daughter died Um, it just fuck man, it's fucked up so anyway, so I did that and it was you know, emotional enough for me Am I an asshole for it? I don't think so. Maybe I am. Or maybe I'm doing what's best. And I'm not I'm not going to say I wouldn't learn anything new by being in there. But, you know, I get it. <laughs> the Holocaust happened. Um, but I think taking time outside of this to reflect a little bit by recording um, this report here. It is along the same lines of being in a museum and reflecting on the horrors of the Holocaust instead of just reflecting on the horrors of feeling more connected to my Judaism. Um, yeah. It's been a fun trip, and Israel is not as bad as I th- thought it was going to be. So here's a lesson to save for my birthday next year. Things I've learned. Um, you know, where I learned long ago not to have expectations going into a party or something and then, you know, consistently be let down and disappointed by, um, those expectations never being met, of course, I think the other flip of it is things aren't going to be as bad as you expect them to be. And I've experienced that a couple times in the last few months. So that's something to remember always. It's, it's Icarus, man. Don't fly too high. Don't fly too low. Even keel right there in the middle. Go for the hole in the middle. Um, after this, we're headed to Bethlehem, which is where Jesus was born. And that'll be cool. You know, to be a part, like, to... Whether you believe that Jesus existed or not, or, you know, that he was the, the prophet, you know, whatever. Like, it's still a cool thing to be a part of. It's, it's, it's history. Storied history. Um, fiction. You know, here's where... <laughs> I mean, shit, take me to Ketchum, Idaho, where Hemingway blew his brains out, you know? Like, where he, take me to Cuba, where Hemingway wrote, like, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Like, that's, go to Puerto Rico, where Thompson wrote the Rum Diary, or at least experienced the, the seeds for the Rum Diary. You get it. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a cool thing. You know, we were in Nazareth the other day. We were at the River Jordan. Baptisms occurred. That's cool shit the dead sea again you know it's 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 cool shit we're going to go to the old city jerusalem the old city tonight um or tomorrow i guess um and that'll be cool that's fucking jerusalem like to walk those streets to to touch that wall that's been there for thousands of years i mean i was touching ruins that were built in the fucking 3rd century that's crazy like i've been to europe i've i've i slept when i was in germany last year when i was in munich we were in a hotel that was built in like 1450-something, like before Columbus sailed to America. That's how old that hotel is. That's crazy old. But then to be, to walk the streets or touch a building or a column or whatever, a rock that is humans built centuries ago, I mean, thousands of years ago, It's just... Not hundreds, thousands. Like, near the beginning of recorded time. It's just, it's just bananas. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, the Jews have been around in, during the year almost 6,000 already, so there's that. But, you know, common era. Common era we're talking about here, which is just, it's bananas. It's, it's crazy. It, it's moving. Um, my tour guides made a point today about things that are standing, like the, the western wall that's still standing. You know, like, things that are designed today will not still be standing, in 2,000 years, right? You know, like, we just don't make them like they used to. (laughs) Think of all the stucco houses in Las Vegas, right? Um, Yeah, you know, and I get a Christmas tree ornament from every city I I visit, or at least try. Sometimes I can't find Christmas ornaments. I don't get a chance to, like, find a Christmas shop, and the airport's not carrying them, whatever. Um, Well, I picked one up at a Trappist monk, a Trappist monastery, Uh, on like our first day it was a wooden Jewish star and I just thought oh a Jewish star for a Christmas tree great Um, and it's at a Trappist monastery great good story and then Katie had the idea like when we go to Bethlehem that's where we get the Christmas tree ornament because that's where Jesus was born holy shit brilliant so I'm hoping that it's just like (laughs) that the place looks like a goddamn Hallmark movie with all the Christmas shit everywhere (laughs) but I'm excited to you know do that and say that I have a Christmas tree ornament from where Jesus was born that's, that's, that'll be cool so, so yeah um, and then there's the other side of things um, the family dynamics which have been fine they've been exactly as expected we were talking about this last night with uh, Patty and Jasmine and Eric and me, uh, Stephen and Stephanie had gone up to bed Katie's not feeling well, she's having a massive allergy attack because desert flowers man she's having a rough time today um but just like the family dynamic is exactly what we expected like there's little tiffs but it passes and i'm doing a pretty good job of not engaging or escalating um steven when (laughs) when my god do i ever want to um so yeah everything's been fine the family dynamics are what they are. It's fine. I think everybody still loves each other. Um, of course, you know, Stacy snuck in for a little bit, so we had a thing, but I... Whatever. And yeah, it's fine. <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah. I think that's good. I think that's where we're at, at for right now. So, of course, I'm going to write all this stuff down and, you know, get into the more details and... Um, flesh it all out a bit more. Um, But yeah, it's a lot of uh, reflection and introspection. But there's also a level of, you know, the whole idea of, you know, when in Rome. Right? Like, you go to any country and you're kind of like, I want this, I want that shit, I want to, like, live like they do, you know, and bring back trinkets, like, or trinkets, you know, things, you know, adapt part of my cultural personality, cultural representation of, like, where I've traveled. You know, I, everybody does that. I mean, that's souvenirs, right? That's the t-shirt. That's the, you know, those assholes like get their fucking hair braided when they go down to Jamaica, right? It's that kind of dumb shit. Um, like, I had a moment just in a gift shop the other, uh, earlier today. Um, they had all these, the Hebrew alphabet, the Aleph bet. Um, you can buy little letters and put them on a, a piece of string, a bracelet. And I was like, oh, I should get like, Harry and Jacob's letters on, on this bracelet thing. <laughs> and I was thinking about you, Don, because, you know, you have those, those bracelets. I was like, yeah, I could, I could rock a bracelet, sure. <laughs> and then Katie was with me, and I was like, but wait, why am I doing that? Is that dumb? Why do I want their Hebrew letters? I don't... Like, first of all, dummy David, you have your initials on you already. You got them tattooed on your frickin' arm. So you don't need more initials for your sons. Like, it's good. And then the Hebrew letters, like, why? Is that a Jewish thing? Or was that just, I was in Israel thing? And are they different? And what? And I ended up not buying it because I just couldn't rationalize it, you know. So, yeah. Um, okay. I think that's it for right now. Maybe more to come. We'll see. Like I said, the internet's been weird. Um, And I have not recorded this on the Motive app because I left my microphone in the hotel. So it's just a voice memo. But we like the grit. We like music that sounds like shit. Um, All right. David Himmel reporting from Jerusalem.
1: David confesses that he's having a midlife crisis, and this is, you know, and we'll see how how it all plays out, his experience in Israel, and how that uh, informs that midlife crisis. I'm, I'm past a midlife crisis. I'm having a strange, I don't think I'm having a, cri- a crisis so much. But I was having a conversation with my sister, and one of the things that I said, it just came out of my mouth, and I went, oh, wow, that's true, was we were talking about the fact that she's had three kids and I have none. And I've never had kids and, and 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 I think a lot of that is I just didn't want kids, and maybe that makes me selfish I don't think so, but one of the things I said is, well, you have kids, so you have more reason to live than I do and that was a really i just like oh, and it's true um you know i'm I'm having that my if if I'm having a crisis and i'm I'm well over not I'm certainly not over uh the implosion of my marriage a year plus ago. Um, it's not, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, some days I wake up and I'm st- like suddenly reminded that I'm furious about it, or some days I wake up and I'm really sad about it. But you know, it's just, I mean, it is, it's part of the, you know, it's the work. I'm doing the work, whatever. But I, I do recognize that uh, I, I don't have a wife. Um, I don't have a kid. I don't have a pet that I have very, I have limited reasons to exist. And having a child is one way to extend that reason to exist. Because when you have somebody that is dependent on you and that is your child, and yeah, that that means you kind of have to, unless you're just a piece of shit, you kind of have to get up and and attend to that need and to work with them. And then you have a, a whole mind you want to help Um, grow into a better human being on and on and on all the the, the stuff that parenthood implies. And it's very interesting because I don't have any of that. And I'm now 57. I, I'm no longer. And I've also recognized that I, I have really most of my life had an unrelenting pursuit of having a partner or just getting pussy, whatever it is. I've had that unrelenting search and I am right now not searching don't want to search really not interested in i am mean, yeah. what i like to would i like to have sex sure am i interested in having a conversation at all no you know so maybe being married to a prostitute was probably the best thing if i if i could have paid but i didn't and that's not really what i was looking for and i remind a friend of mine uh Who's kind of had the same thing? He he just found out he he was reading my book. He was oh, he got he, that's what no he hadn't gotten the book yet. He said I'm I'm glad I'm getting your book today. It's just out of the blue text because my wife just told me that she's a lesbian and is divorcing me. And I mean, wow, it was like, okay, well, my experience really isn't, I mean, it's unique, but it's not as unique as I kind of wanted to believe or still want to believe, but, uh, he's, uh, he's finally done with his divorce and he sent me a text saying, well, it's all done. All the papers been signed and I'm bittersweet because I have a date tonight so he is still continuing the pursuit i'm not and so it's a very interesting thing about finding your reasons to exist i look at my dad he's incredibly sick um um and you know he's dialysis three times a week he's just on uh, the, the amount of pills he takes just to survive is overwhelming um and he still gets up in the morning and he still, you know, it's like, and, I, and I, I can't ask him this because I think it's, I don't know if it's disrespectful or if it's just not, the, I, maybe I just don't want the answer. I don't know. But, you know, I want to, I kind of want to look at him and say, Why? so you, you you're dying you're miserable you're every waking you're in pain all the time um you're losing focus uh i don't think he's got dementia but there are days where he's just not there and he doesn't know where he's at and what's going on and i wonder and i want to i want to ask why why are you continuing what purpose do you serve for yourself or anybody else um and, and that's an interesting question. I don't know the answer yet, but I'm sure this period in my life, this way station here in Kansas is going to at least give me some things to think about and talk about in future podcasts. And so one more shot. David in Palestine.
0: One thing I failed to mention about Bethlehem is that it is in Palestinian-controlled part of the country. So we had to bring our passports and our tour group our tour guide, Tal, he basically gives the, t- the tour over to, um, oh, I forget the, the new tour guide's name, but his name is Jesus, but in Arabic, I can't remember what it is. Anyhow, um, Esau? No, that's not right. Anyway, not important. Um, but yeah, so like we did travel through the West Bank where it's divided up, you know, Israel, Palestine, uh, and then the shared spots that like where the Palestinians control the civic part and Israel handles the security, which is a fucking weird, weird place. I think I'm going to buy a book in this gift shop at the Holocaust Museum called the Six Day. It's about the Six Day War and like how it shaped like modern the modern Middle East. I think I think I have to get it. The only thing that's keeping me from buying it right now is that I have so much shit in my bags and I packed super tight. I did not leave enough room to bring shit home. So I have to, like, completely reengineer packing when we head home. And it's kind of a thick book. But I think I should get it. I think I should get it. Um, yeah, so... Anyway. Um, yeah, we're basically going into Palestine today. Because Bethlehem is in Palestinian-controlled part of Israel. Um, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm sure it'll be fine. Like it's just it's a weird, it's just a weird thing it's a weird thing right it's just because the conflict in the middle east and israel and palestine and the free palestine jokes that i make and uh, support you know i mean i like let's it's just so fucking i have to buy that book cuz this is so complicated and yeah it uh, your enemies are so close. You know? Like, we drove through the West Bank, and it doesn't change. Like, there are checkpoints and stuff, but it's all this fucking same. We don't have that in the United States, right? Because we're protected by the oceans, you know? We don't have our enemies right there because we don't go to war with Mexico or Canada or Mexico anymore, I suppose. We might go to war with each other soon, you know? This second civil war that everyone's hoping happens or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, when we were in the Dead Sea, like, there's Jordan right there. You know, Syria is right over, like, I can see the mountains of Syria. You know, it's just, it's bonkers. Okay, signing off.
1: And that's the podcast. I'm not going to do any six things, no recommendations, although I, I no, I'm not going to do any six things. Um, obviously, no Rorschach, but uh, we'll have David back in pocket uh, next week. And uh, hopefully this wasn't too much of a naval gazy a, a, a double whammy of nasal gazy bullshit. Um, Hopefully you interest, you were interested in it. Hopefully it was uh, thoughtful. Whatever. Whatever it is, and if not, go fuck yourself. Uh, you know we're not here for, we're not monkeys for your amusement, although we are absolutely monkeys for your amusement. So have a great week. Um, I know you since we didn't have a six things, you have absolutely nothing to do because we didn't recommend anything. so you know maybe jerk off and uh, think about your mortality and history.
0: You can find them all over Chicago and online at LocomotiveBand.com. What the fuck?